Welcome to start of episode 4. So before we get cracking, we need to apologise in advance if there's any strange noises. We're recording in the Fife compound of the startup team, Good. so our canine correspondent will come back periodically to heavy breathe and make strange noises. And as if on cue... Here she comes now. Well, fabulous. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was Andy and I'm Ralph and heavy breathing is Susan the dog who just really wants to join in. So before we begin, first off an apology... In the last exciting episode, we promised we would review a DVD of Doctor Who interviews, except I lost it. We will get round to it at some point. It has been lost in the Burns Cave, so it, no harm, no foul. It will be absolutely fine, but just a later episode. I've genuinely lost it. Uh, another apology we need to talk about is a correction from episode one. Friend, I use in the loosest possible term of the podcast, and imposter scientist because he doesn't wear a white coat, Dr M has been harassing us because when we were discussing the Star Trek novels, you incorrectly attributed the first round of Star Trek novels to Alan Dean Foster, as opposed to, I believe it was... James Blush. Now, I will say that Ralph did get that right in the pilot episode yes. we recorded before that, but just was fixating on the works of Alan Dean Foster because he just bought himself the <laughs> novelisation of Alien Covenant. Ralph, why did you buy that? Because it was £3.50 in Tesco. Other things in Tesco are for £3.50 that will probably be less painful. Well, the Alan Dean Foster novelisation of the original Alien isn't bad. But we've read some of his other novelisations we, we have. in recent it's, years. His Force Awakens novel was not a winner. No. So, but you know what it's like? You see these things when they're in front of you and you think, I'll buy that. It's licensed. It's licensed, I'll buy it. So, at some point I'll read it and we'll review it in this exciting podcast, but not today. Instead, what we're going to do is... Uh, we're going to kick off, because we planned on sort of calling this episode uh, Reader's Lives and sort of talk, talk about some of the recent items we've been sent. Uh, we'll have to give that one a miss, but we do have one rather uh, large gift that's been sent by... Susan the dog. Uh, no, Susan, stop taking credit for that. That from uh, Matt Marshall. It is the Game of Rassilon 2. Game of Rassilon, what is that? Who well, was Rassilon? Rassilon was the leader of the Time Lords in Doctor Who, uh, and his game featured in. The Five Doctors. Five Doctors, and also in my 40th birthday celebrations when we were down in Birmingham this year. So, Matt has kindly produced a sequel and asked that we do that for startups. Yeah. so there is a yeah, to understand in, in Doctor Who uh, the whole thing about Rassilon is they had this thing called the Death Zone uh, where the Time Lords would pit various creatures like Daleks and uh, Cybermen Yeti and that kind of thing against each other for their entertainment and pleasure back in the old times but there was there was a, a gimmick to it because he who wins shall lose and he, he who shall lose, lose shall win so you have to basically fight your way through the Death Zone which looks a bit like whales it did. Uh, by the way, to get to the Tower of Rassilon, okay, uh, which makes that noise anytime anyone looks at it, even an audio. Or as mentioned. Or as mentioned. It just makes that noise. So you get your way in, and there's a big tomb, and Rassilon's there, and he pops up as this kind of old, 
old jolly fellow with a fabulous beard and he's oh you've come here to get the secrets well done but but unfortunately if you actually win the game of Razzalon you are forever entombed as a face on a, on a wall so you live eternally as part of a part of a tomb so not really much of a den of life so there you go so you know not, not the best of games so we had the, the first game for my my birthday uh, down in uh, Birmingham where it, I did quite well I, I did better though getting my uh, challenge of the go box uh, bathroom kit which happens to be a, a nice little pencil case for me now I don't need that yeah, I, I want a fabulous stack of Doctor Who novelizations. but what yeah, we're going to do this time? so because it's an audio legion what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this right so you can hear hear the the volume of this box it was a it was a, a medium parcel okay you will now use the special knife to open the box riveting riveting it's the, the box is slipped the box is slipped he won't cut himself he's getting very very excited he's got one flap open one flap open he's working on the second flap can you get the third can you get the third before we run out of oh third flap is gone Four flap, the, the, the flaps are up, the knife has gone away. Now, what do we see? We see newspaper. What kind of newspaper? What, 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 let's, actually, just pick, pick up a newspaper. Let's have a look at it. What's, okay. it. what's it from? It's from The Observer. The Observer, then you get stories. Uh, this bit has some of the sport about cricket, so we don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Or more importantly, I don't care about it. I'm sorry, Phil, I know you love it, but it's cricket. It's from The Worcester Observer, actually. Oh, a local paper. I love a local paper. Is it any angry stories in it? Apparently. Apparently, lottery funding boost to help rough sleepers. Well, that's quite a nice story. That's about homeless people, not just people that have find it difficult getting sleep at night and things like that. Uh, homeless festival. There's a Victorian fair rolling into town. Oh, tell us about the Victorian fair. Uh, it's the Victorian Christmas fair. It kicks off uh, next Thursday. This paper was published the Wednesday, November 22nd. Have we must it? Uh, it runs until Saturday, December 3rd. Mm, that's very interesting. Well, there we oh. go. Ah, so, um, fabulous. So oh, there's several there. Let's get out of the way. There's bubble wrap. Beneath the bubble wrap lies a sheet of paper. With no on it. So, the game of Rassilon 2. Dear Andy, here you will find an exciting activity to start up over this festive period. There are three lovely Christmas gifts for Ralph. Ralph, these are wrapped in pink paper, his favourite colour. Mm. There are ten amazing gifts gathered from the finest sources over the years. These are wrapped in festive paper with Andy or Ralph written on them. Here are the rules. Flip a coin to see who goes first. Take it in turns to open a present, so it's five each. You must score each gift between one to ten. The winner is the one with the most points. You lose points every time you swear. Good luck. And that's a photo of the Daltonator. He's pointing at you. With his angry glove. This doesn't seem that bad. Uh, this doesn't seem... Remember, didn't have to do a quiz or something last time. Right, so they're pink gifts specifically right. for you. So we'll, we'll get those out of the way first, the, I think. Yes. Because that's not part of the game. Uh, no, they're not part of the game. So, okay. So three for Ralph. So, All right, okay. Um, so you narrate while I open them. So I'm entrusting... Uh, oh, no, you want the knife? I'm going to use my fingers. So Ralph has, first fingers. of all, a, little, a smaller pink box. Smaller uh, pink box. Uh, I'm opening one side. Jewellery box or badge, badge size, I would say. I, I, I oh, that's oh, exciting. Oh, oh, this is riveting audio. It is. Oh, I believe it's Game Boy Games. We have Game Boy Games. We have... Uh, <laughs> Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff Girls and Barbie Ocean Discovery. Amazing. Which, uh, as I still have my Game Boy... And there's a lot of message there. Uh, yes, I've not been able to test Powerpuff Girls as I don't have a Game Boy Colour, and I can't get Barbie to boot in my Game Boy. Maybe that gives a Game Boy Colour too. Well, we'll find out. I'll have a go. That's I've cleaned them just in case. That's very yeah. exciting. It's very ex- That was kind of normal. There we go. Everything. Um, okay, so uh, this one appears to be a, a, a papery thing of some kind, or a book. Or well, it could be a child's book. It could be a child's... <laughs> Careful where you go there. 
I, I, I think I, I can work out what this is now. Dr. Suspic. I have opened one corner. One corner. I think this is one of those Transformers 80s storybooks. Like Audible Blowout and stuff. It's got the right dimensions. It says 99p in the corner. Oh, I think Burns is right again. Here we go. It's Big Looker. There we go. Oh, fabulous. How exciting. Um, so we've got Car Show Blow Up. Some very nice Elnora Mart. If and the me. Decepticon Hijack. It's a good thing I own both of those. I'd be upset. Okay, I'm doing quite well here. Yeah. Oh, that's very good. We can review them. Oh, uh, they, we, throw we, them on the ground. Throw them on the ground. We'll talk about them in the future. Um, this could be something wearable. This this could be a a, a, a t-shirt perhaps or, or pants. No, I, I think a stationery set. You think stationery? I think it could be pants. <laughs> I'd love to tell the proper pants anecdote, but I can't. Oh, oh goodness, because you just have to delete that swear word or something. Yeah. Oh, come on! Oh, wait a minute, why do I have to be the last one? Oh, for goodness sakes, that's not fair! Well done for keeping the clean tag there. So, Rav, tell the kids at home what you got. It's a mint and sealed bag. <laughs> Literally, a mint and sealed bag. Mad. Manta Force Satchel. I hate Manta Force. So, Manta Force for those who. Right, don't let's know. talk about Manta Force then. He wants me to talk about it, I'll talk it about it. It's a range of. Uh, to- from Bluebird Toys. It was a big, massive cheese wedge shaped ship, which, if you lifted it up, had lots of little smaller ships and vehicles in it. It came out with that first of all, then they tried to make a backstory behind it to make it sort of comparable with mm, other licensed yes. sort of licensed properties it was kind of trying to go up against. But it was a- Bluebird were making their own thing. There was some stories in Eagle. There was a, a comic special, which is hard to track down. And Ralph, why do you hate? Like, I get the Nien Num thing as bizarre as your hatred of Miss. There is an understandable quality to let's, hang on. That. Let's let's explain. Why this. do you hate Manta Force? Let's explain Manta Force. Right. First of all, it does that really annoying thing, right? Of it's got dots between the letters, so it's M dot A dot N dot T dot A. That's really irritating. That really irritated me as a child. Why do you hate Mask? Mask was different because Mask was a good comic. But anyway, it was rubbish because in the 80s you had Transformers. Look, I'm holding one right now. Look, that plasticky sound, that's a Transformer. Transformers are good because they're robots from another world and they turn into vehicles and weapons and they, they hide amongst us and they have space adventures. You had He-Man. He-Man, you twist him at the waist and they punch people. And you've got demons and science and swords and all that kind of nonsense. And you had Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. And you had these little tiny rubbish men tiny rubbish men that you could easily lose down the toilet or eat them or something they didn't do anything they just had they just put them in this big cheese block and the big cheese block didn't do anything it was rubbish you know why it's rubbish was it a cartoon no no there wasn't that's how you knew it was rubbish secondly secondly there weren't any notebooks or stationery for it and it only had one comic which I had, which I was given. I was given that comic because it said Marvel on it and special. I had a lot of Mana Force Man in the front, and it was rubbish. It was rubbish. Nothing happens in Mana Force. Look at them. Look, those boring little tiny men. What? What is that? That's like a failed. That's like a. That's like a failed Starship Enterprise. It's mm. rubbish. Well, it's like a tiny wee Star Trek shuttle. It does not look like a tiny wee Star Trek shuttle. It's a failed shuttle. It's a failed shuttle. Mana Force is the worst thing that ever came out in Britain. It was the worst, worst toy line. And you know why? Because you got given it as gifts because it was cheap, because right. it was rubbish. Worse than Sylvanian families? Worse than Sylvanian really? families, yes. Ralph, is, Ralph, I should point out, is frightened 
of the dead eyes of the Sylvanian families. No, right, Sylvanian families are evil because they have black beady eyes that just catch the light and they just stare at you. They're kind of demonic. And the way they feel, it's like fuzzy felt gone wrong. It's not like good fuzzy felt. We like fuzzy felt. You could build houses from it. Why would Sylvanian families be made with fuzzy felt when it's not even proper fuzzy felt? They don't do anything anyway. Like these little houses, little houses, and they pretend to have cups of tea and bits of cake and stuff, right? That's what you have normal dolls for. Whoever looks at a rabbit and thinks, I know what I'll do with that rabbit. I'll put a, a little penny on it and I'll make it serve cakes in a rubbishy little house. Hmm. Mana Force as well, it didn't interact with anything, it was just, you got the space, you got it was just a big plastic wad of poo. Because if you wanted a good spaceship toy, you had Star Wars, that's right, Return of the Jedi was still going. That was brilliant, it had proper action figures with guns and bombs and <coughs> alien faces that were all like twisted and de deformed because of another planet. They did stuff, Mana Force, nothing, rubbish. Now I've got a satchel, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> It's been a while since you spat the dummy out and chucked the toys out of the pram as splendidly as that. And this is before we actually start the game of Rassilon, I'd like to point out. So, we are going to flip a coin here. So, Ralph, I'll flip it. You call. Heads. It's tails. So it's tails. Right, so, pick, we, a, pick a package. Now, these are all random sizes and assortments. So, we have to score them each between one. I think we both have to agree on the score. Oh, yes, uh, yes. It doesn't say there, but I think in the uh, interest well, of fairness... What does the scoring system mean exactly? Uh, it's basically, whoever wins... The winner's the one with the most points. One of the most points. But I think we both have to agree All right. on, on each score for each uh, individual guess. This is mine. So, <laughs> I'm opening it first. I'm confused by this game. Uh, he, he gave very threadbare rules. Yeah, right. So, but, so we both give it a score. Yeah. Right. And whoever, at the end of their gift pile... Right, it's one points. of those points. Yeah. All right, so you lose points every time you swear. Yeah. This is a clean podcast. Exactly. So there'll be no points losing. So it'll just simply be what we assess it on at random. However, we will wait out if any swearing does happen. I think, however, if it, if you're on the verge of swearing, that counts. Okay. So, okay, so I've gone first. Leave us some Maltesers. Leave us some Maltesers. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you won? So I have won. Uh, a design and build My Little Pony Pop Pinkie Pie Bakery Decorator Kit. Right. So what, uh, do, you, what do you do with it? Uh, so I basically build her and it's, she, ah, it's just like a Snap 2 model kit type thing. They like models. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's wonderful. Oh, well done. Well done for taking that. <laughs> so I'm going to... Lurid, so, luridly. It is right. G2 colours, though. Right. So. so we score each gift, right? Uh, between uh, one and ten. Um, one being least good and ten being most good. Yeah. Well, I want to score that a ten, because I think it's a wonderful present for you. I know you like the ponies. <laughs> and, and, and pink no. and stuff. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Well, no, then. no. It's I ten. Do we need to mark this down somewhere? Have we got a pen? No, several pens. I have, a, I have a pen. Write it, write it down on, on the score sheet. But if I get more points, I'll, I'll win. Well, but remember, he who wins shall lose. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. This is very confusing. I wouldn't say it's a 10. It's, it's nice colours. Well, you, you give your own score. So you're, you're putting 10 in the I'm start. Putting, I'm putting 10 for this. I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting a solid 6. Because it's, it's nice craft. All right, okay. Right, so you can right. select, I select one from the box now. Yes. This is marvellous audio entertainment. True. Right. Um, so, uh, I'm allowed to touch them. Yeah, I just picked the first one. That just. Oh, oh, I think this could be a book. This could be a winner. This is This is... Yes, yes. There'll be nothing now. This is a hard, it feels like a hardback book, which is about uh, it's bigger than a paperback novel. I've been given the knife to stab myself with, uh, which is really kind of it. Or to cut open. Crack no, I'm going to use my hands. I'm like the apes. Then give me the knife then because you'll stab yeah, yourself. Okay, I won't stab myself. 
I can open this with my hands. I can do it. I can do this. Give me back the knife. Ralph, what's the knife back? I'm pretty fine by this knife. I don't like it. There we go. I have inserted the knife into the opening. Ah, there we go. I've got a. Uh, right. So, this is going to be good. This will be fine. I enjoy reading. Reading gives me a great deal of pleasure. Even when it's bad, it's usually good. Doesn't want to open. Removing pieces of paper, riveting audio. Here we go. Lots of paper. Uh, oh, oh! I have one, John. I have one. Uh, the aforementioned. Yes, uh, Mr. Blish. Yes. We have Star Trek Seven in hardback from back in the day, an ancient archive volume where uh, Mr. Blish novelizes episodes. Which episodes are in this one? Hang on. We got, oh, we got Who Mourns for Adonis. That's a good one. The one with the Greek god and the giant hand in space. Um, oh, we've done quite. Oh well, I'm, I'm a winner. I'm going to. Do we score this now? Yeah. Well, that, that's clearly a ten. Uh, I'd say that's a 10 as well. Right, I'm I'm going bold, and by bold I mean suicidal, because I picked the other book sized one. Oh, it's a soft 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 cover. cover. Mm -hmm. It could be a movie novelization. It could be. Could be. Okay, here we go. He's getting very excited. Here we go. And then into the package. What have we got? Oh! What do we know? Oh, genuine curiosity! Oh. <laughs> I've got the Dreamwave pocketbooks of uh, Transformers yeah, Energon. That was well, quality firming and we do. It's not the best printing. To be fair, it is better than the IDW uh, volumes to Yes, me. okay. Oh, it's, got, it's got profiles. Exciting. Ah, okay. Well, I uh, still think I've won. Well, we haven't finished the game yet. That's true. And the very, some very early work from uh, from Mr. Milne. Uh, I didn't need them anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, so, no, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an eight for that. I'm giving us giving that a ten because eventually I had a bot them. Yes. Out of completeness, so it's basically. Didn't before I used. No, to. I didn't have any of the dream with the uh, oh. Energon pocket books. Okay, into the box. Um, let's see. Yes, I think this could be a toy. This is clearly a toy. This could go. This could go either way. This could go either way. I don't know. I think you've taken the bullet for the team with my little pony. What makes? It's not that. When I'm trying to be waggling that knife about like an idiot. Uh, What makes you think that he's only going to have one my little pony themed item in there? Because you would expect him. You would expect us to think they're all my little pony. Yeah. Something by Fantastic. Could this be a a mad novelty uh, knockoff transformer? Oh, it is! I've won again! I've won again! There we go. So I have Galaxy Shifter. Uh, he is flying through the universe, defending the planets. Uh, we shift shape, he says. Mission complete. And he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Transformer uh, knockoff uh, type thing. From yeah. Pineland! Six to collect. Oh, that's, that's great. That's good. What quality. I'm doing very well here. Right. Are you going? Oh. Um. I'm, no, I'm evaluating before I... I don't think you're allowed to evaluate. It's in your hand too. Put that back up! Put that back in your hands and open it! You had it in your hand too long. Don't fill up all the... Don't fill them all up. I didn't do that. You're cheating. This is cheating. This is how you win... This is not how you win in games. Alright, so you're going for the little one because you were afraid of the big ones. It's like a badge or something. Keep it. The seconds tick by inexorably. 
in your face Turnbull wins Rock Lord I didn't want a Rock Lord you didn't I didn't want a Rock Lord oh we didn't score your oh. last gift did we no oh, we're Galaxy we're, Shifters yeah. oh we're not doing very well at this uh, I'm, I'm going to give that I'm going to give it a good uh, good six good six really cheap yeah. knockoffs and I've got a Rock Lord so that's getting a ten Okay. You you have to. Mm. It's a rock lord. Alright. It's one of the ones from the film as well. Okay. Him with the him with the blue face. Oh it's it's uh, it's that chap, yeah. yeah. Oh it's a very good condition. What yeah. Well, I didn't need that anyway. That's fine. I don't really like rock lords. Yeah, Ralph hates rock lords. Okay, right. Well well if you I, I can feel the packages too then. Right? Look. That, I think that's another rock lord. But don't take away my bubble wrap. Ah, right, that's clearly a rock lord, right? That is uh, a little toy car. That is a, a, snow, a snow globe. Um, that, 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 that's a toy. I'm, I'm going for the. I'm, I'm going for this one. Okay, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling confident, yeah. Right, because he would. God damn, this knife. Oh. Uh, what the heck is this? Oh, don't take my knife away. There we go. Oh, oh, I've won again. I've won again. Look at this. Let me see your jealousy when this comes out. It's, it's Galaxy Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's oh, it's, it's horrific. That, that is a nightmare view. Right, it's a movable action figure with Space Gun, which is basically a nightmare version of Darth Vader. But if he was... Like five, uh, some kind of five foot high homunculus. Yeah, that's actually quite disturbing. Yes. Ah, I'm going to give that a ten. It's marvellous. You think a ten? That's much better that's, than that's, a That's a five. No, it's not. Right, so, you going to try your luck again. You've got, hit, you've got four left. I know. Cut the blue wire, cut the blue wire. This is going to go bad. Oh, that's the other action figure one, which I was almost going to go for. But it, won't, it won't be as good. Come. I think not. Oh come on! Tumble wins. Tumble has. Tumble has a playmate's Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's not fair. You don't even. Gowron. Know, you don't even know who he is. I hope we who Gowron is. The hand on my hand, and I thought it was just a silly knockoff. Thing. Uh, I, I, I originally panicked and went, "Oh no, this could be him." So I'm giving that a ten. Do you concur? Yeah, that one. Is that a ten? It's a one. See, it's a, it's a ten, isn't it? It's a, it's a one. It's a ten, isn't it? A Thank one. you, Ralph. I don't need to get one. I don't uh, like Star Trek. Yeah, you hate Star Trek. Right. Okay. Next. Yeah, right, is it me? Yeah. How can it be me when there's three left? Because then I do oh. one. I picked the first one. <laughs> I was confused. Okay. Now, this could be a trick. And he's wanting me to think that's a rock lord. I know. That's right. that's why I get that's it. That's clearly a snow globe thing. And that's a little Unless he's repackaged it. That feels like a toy car. But that means it could be a transformer toy car. Or it could be an R- could be an RPM. Or stealth force or whatever it was. No, it's not gonna be right weight to be RPMs. See had a bit of Right. We don't want that one because that's a snow globe. So it's either a Transformers car or a rock lord. I'm going for the car. I'm going for the car. I think this will be like a wee spy change they do it or something. This will be like a really rare Japanese Micro Master team or something. This is going to be good. I'm not going to regret this. I have to stab myself again. Hang on. Yeah. 
feeling confident. Once again, I'm taking custody of the knife away from Ralph. It's very densely packed. Oh, my God. Give me the knife. <laughs> no, don't take my top thing away. I've got to assist you. No, I don't need assistance. You do you hold the knife the wrong way for a I'm not holding the knife the wrong way. Oh, right, it's something green. It's something green. Oh! Oh, it's... it's, it's Revenge of the Fallen... Mudflat. Skid, uh, skid, skid the mudflat. Mud one or the other. The Little Legends version. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to transform this. Look how good I am at this. Look, it's one of the really easy ones. Never played with this. Bear with me. Hang on. Gripping audio. It is gripping audio. There we go. Oh, good. It's the racist transformer from the worst film. Uh, well, um, thanks. Are you scoring that one? Two. Two? Yeah. I thought, I thought I'd won by getting... I'd still say it's a solid five. Uh, I hate it. There you go. It's no Golden Rock Lord. Golden Rock Lord. I don't think it is a Rock Lord. I know, neither do I. It's a double bluff. Exactly. I, I, There's I've... no way you're getting two Rock Lords in this game. It's clearly something else. Something awful. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, come on! It's a second Rock Lord. Well, so I see. <laughs> well done on that rather restrained... Uh, Despair. Oh, it's the chap with two heats. Oh. Sticks and stones, or whatever he's Sticks called. Sticks and stones. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about him. So you've oh. got two Rocklords, Transformer books, and Geron from Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. Ten for that, what are you giving that? One. Oh, one. Yes. Okay, right. So I've got the snow globe. whoop de doo ah, Might not be a snow globe. whoop de doo It's a snow globe, but it's a... I, I could say something rude. Because it's shaped a bit like a, a bell. And it could be the end of one. <laughs> right. This better be gold. <gasps> it's a McDonald's Transformer toy. Which transforms from cup to robot now. Let me work out how to transform in this very simple child's toy. Uh, I should point out for the benefit of the listeners back home, Ralph is struggling quite badly Finding how there, to do this. There must be a button. Hang on, yeah, right, hang on a second. That's uh, from 1988. <laughs> this is as bad as M with that Google, the uh, no, gorilla I, bot. I can, but there must be some kind of mechanism. No, leave it alone, I can do it. <laughs> Transform into <toy>, Andy. <laughs> it's not obvious, is it? It's like a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> For the benefit of those listening, the reason Ralph shut up very quickly is I, I transformed it very quickly. Yeah. Oh, it looks like. Uh, um, do you know what it looks like? It looks like Primus from Transformers. Yeah. It looks like a really sad, down with his luck, Primus, the god of all Transformers. Well, it's quite a complex mechanism, though. If it's, you know, the way you just slide it open and that's it done. I'd say that's a 10. Ah, okay, I've done quite well there. Right, so who's won? Uh, I've won. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. How? You kept scoring gifts very poorly in terms of points. Is it the one that's got the most points that wins? Yeah. Oh, is that the way it goes? Yeah, that's what I said to you. Oh. So I won by you uh, throwing throwing your toys out of the pram at various points. I won. No. I won. <laughs> it's my game. <laughs> I think you'll find it's Matt's game. Thank you very much, Matt. Well, that was riveting. Uh, it was. How exciting. Victory is mine. What's the next item, Andy? I think it should be your eBay thing. Right, so I'm going to talk about some comics I acquired at random. Uh, it is, of course, uh, one of the characters I have a fondness for. So, what's the name of the future again? eBay Goom. That's very good. That's good, eh? That's very good. Well done. Can't, can't, go, can't go wrong with a fantastic name. It's marvellous. As which, funny enough, Marvel is the, the subject of the four issues I have here. Very it, good. It is the 
Short-lived Adam, uh, short sorry, short-lived Warlock ongoing became a mini series very very quickly mm-hmm. by Greg Pak and Charles Adler. Greg Pak of Planet Hulk fame, yes, and other things as well. Charlie Adler is the ongoing artist in The Walking Dead, so doing all right for himself. It's not too bad. Yeah. This was from 2004, which has really upset me. Yes, it feels. Like, I'm sure it was last week this came out. Yeah, it's not long after, again. It's it's basically it's a reboot of the Adam Warlock concept, going but predating the Cosmic Gym stuff, going back to the Roy Thomas. So part. who is Adam Warlock? Well, Adam Warlock was originally called him. He was created by some scientists in the Beehive to be this perfect man, but the scientists that made him were evil, so he killed them all, then went into space, found the high evolutionary... Well, sorry, tried to take a mate, first of all, so uh, had a wee square go with with Thor. Thor, Thor sent him on his way, gave him a bit of smacking a bit. He found the high evolutionary, who is basically some human that's evolved himself beyond our level and kind of dabbles in experiments and is either a hero or a villain depending on what Marvel need him to be hmm. uh, so he had an experiment called Counter Earth which was an exact duplicate of our Earth but on the far side of the sun so never the twain would meet mm-hmm. and he sent Adam there with the uh, a green gem that gave him power which would later become a lot more important in Marvel uh, to try and fix it yep. he died was crucified for his mm-hmm. sins came yep. back your very heavy-handed Jesus metaphor. No. Yes, and then disappeared for a little while. Then Jim Starlin brought him back uh, with some mad cosmic nonsense. Indeed. Um, it's kind of he is the, the, the although he wasn't creator of Adam Warlock. Is pretty much the, his definitive creator. Yeah, because the original version of him was a pretty nondescript, and, generic kind of character, really. And the heavy-handed Jesus analog of Adam Warlock on the Roy Thomas one was not particularly memorable. No, it wasn't one of Roy Thomas's better ones. And no. Finally, I actually got to read it and uh, a hardcover. It was like, ah, well, I've, I've never read those Warlock stories. Hmm. I think the big problem is most people have come to Warlock from Jim Starlin first yeah. and then going back to this earlier version. It's, it's not ideal. It's not great. So in 2004, uh, he'd been out of circulation, I think, about that time. Yeah, no, because Jim Starlin had been doing some stuff, but I think this was during the point where Marvel and him were... They had a bit of a falling out right now. Yes, because he wanted to use... So I was talking about using Warlock in the Thanos series yeah. that he was running, and he was told, no, you can't. Because... After the first six issues, because... Which caused a problem for Thanos series, because it was... Well, it was called Thanos, it was really Thanos and Warlock, and Warlock was quite a crucial element of the plot. Being sort of his conscience, as it were. Yes. So as they were trying to... Yeah, so at the time, Sterling spit a dummy out. I didn't know they worked for Marvel, and Marvel did this ongoing, which, as Andy said, was truncated into four issues. Uh, yeah, so you got pretty much almost what the opening art would be, plus issue four kind of rounds up things off very quickly, which is it's going back to the, the actual core concept of that, which is that it's the, the beehive are back again, basically creating a messiah figure because they know the world is going to end in a number of years. Mm. So it's very, and it's basically the point of view character is Adam, the new Warlock's designer, who creates the look of him. So it kind of updates that the look. I quite, I back in the day, it was I, I got it, picked it up, and went, oh, it's good, but it's not proper Warlock. Indeed. And it's no surprise that it didn't last because I imagine my reaction was the same with most people, which is like, no, if I'm getting a new Warlock series, it's not really Warlock. Telling a story that's chantably, it's alright. It's alright, but it's nothing... It's, it goes back, it's the art that's more distinctive for me. It's really nice to see Charlie Adler's art in full colour, because mm-hmm. Walking Dead's mostly black and white. So, so you know, It ends with basically, Adam Warlock's been part of, the proper Adam Warlock's been there all along, shepherding this project, because he realises the Beehive are bad, and it's all about creating the next generation of Warlock, who is female, Indeed. Another her. And 
she goes off. It basically ends with her being sort of not this vengeful god figure that the warlock being was created there, but just a world protector. It's kind of very similar to the way the ending of the Captain Marvel Secret Invasion is, where he just realises their actual place in the scheme of things goes off, but then never to be heard from again. I don't, think, I don't even remember her turning up no. anything after this. No, at it's all. quietly forgotten about. Which is interesting, because if you did it today, it would probably actually work it a bit better, because Marvel at the moment, uh, rightly or wrongly, whatever your opinion, we go through quite a phase now of taking all the characters and making them quote-unquote diverse. Uh, so you have a female version of Thor and um, things like that, and your mileage may vary as to how much that works. Um, so the idea of sort of taking a character like Warlock and making it more of a legacy thing and there's a new version, there's a different gender, um, would probably actually go down a bit better readers now than it did back then. Yeah, I mean, so it was, it's, it's good. And again, because we, we do live in far bleaker times than the year 2004, <laughs> it, it rings a bit more true in terms of we are living in the end times. That's true, but, you know, things can get better. As Dee Ream would would say. But no, it's it's a decent mini. It's never been collected to the best of my knowledge because a, a four-issue and the vogue for four-issue trades yeah, seems trace, basically. But a part of the problem as well is if they'd done a, like a standard Warlock story that led into this, it probably would have been fine. But you'd had Warlock kind of off doing stuff anyway as part of like the end and the Infinity Abyss and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he'd sort of popped up here and there. And again, there's always that resistance of it's Warlock without Jim Starlin. Is it actually going to be any good? Are they going to get the character right? Because charitably, more often than not, they get him wrong. Witness when Jim first had his spit the dummy moment with Marvel back in the 90s and left Warlock and Infinity Watch and that book carried on for a year and a half and was brutal. Indeed. Indeed. So, e by gum indeed. Yeah, so, Archstrang also got very, very nice covers from... uh, What's his face? John J.H. Williams III. That's the one. I was going to say John Pollyon because I just recently read Batman Creature of Night and I was like, nope, not wrong person. Very striking. The the design for Warlock's very nice as well. It's a nice update that looks very close to Hmm. the original pre-cape and disco collar version of him. Worth checking out. It reads a lot better than I remember it back in the day because I I think I missed the last issue because it became difficult to get hold of because no one was really caring about it. Yeah, it was well stocked. Worth picking up. It's an interesting curiosity. Greg Pak's a decent writer. Again, the art from Charlie Adler is fantastic. And there's adverts for collector coins. Yes, this is the thing. It's all, One of the odd things about getting older comics is having to look back at what adverts are available in there. So the first one, in issue one, is that the Punisher DVD is available. It's September 7th. Wow, DVDs, eh? Yeah. They're the new thing. Yeah, the, the Tom, Thomas Jane, John Travolta Punisher film. The, the second best of the Punisher films. Best one being Dolph Lundgren, of course. Correct. And I do it for Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. So back when comics were a big enough deal that they would advertise, they would advertise films. Yeah, uh, there was adverti- advertisements in there for check checkbooks and checks between yeah. Spider Man and Wolverine. At which point, a lot of these readers would say, "What's a check?" Yeah. Well, that's how we used to pay for things before contactless. There we go. Yeah. yeah you can carry your Marvel characters and your checkbooks starting at a low nine ninety nine for a box. Madness. Indeed. Or superhero eagle dollars. Yes, uh, there's a, a big collection of them which you can get for three hundred and thirty dollars, which includes a case. I think there's like eighteen of them. And yes, back in the day when you could actually sell uh, silver dollars with uh, superheroes on them, because it's like in a weird phase between sort of when comics had their boom time in America and almost died off in terms of Marvel comics. That is, yeah. And all, and before we got to um, the kind of current day where the movies have made them popular again but Andy has just found the advert of adverts it's true I'm just looking through before we lead up to that but yeah you would still have movies computer games it was a, even confectionery like M&M's. M&M's advertising wow yeah so you're just looking at 
it was worth it. It's always amusing to see, though, uh, Oh Look Smallville being advertised in the Marvel comic. Indeed. What's advertised is DC property. I always like it when that sort of thing happens. But there's an advert for Atmosphere, the DVD board game, which, sorry, VHS board game. Yeah, it was revived, remember. Yeah. I am the gatekeeper. You know, I have a certain affection for those old games where it was a VHS or DVD and you would have your board game, you'd go around, like an Atmosphere, it was a skinny, spooky one. And then the video would play, and occasionally the person on the, on the video would turn to you and go, Yo, stop moving, listen to me, it was that beautiful electricity, and stuff like that, you know. It's like, uh, who needs mobile phones of today with super games that, that run on magic digital bits when you have a, a person in bad makeup on a DVD shouting at you? It's true. It's much, much better. So that was so Warlock, That's eh? a bit of a, an eye on to the world of uh, 2004. So far Oh, of course, though, you could get the uh, complete series for the, of... Uh, Crusade from the creator of Babylon 5 I remember that yeah wasn't very good no it was not both times because that was a spin-off of Babylon 5 they made a few episodes it was cancelled and then they made a few more episodes that were entirely differently done and it was cancelled again so it's a unique uh, selling point of being one of the few television shows that was cancelled twice before an episode aired that is unusual <laughs> yeah so that's uh, Warlock I would say it's, if you can get it cheap it's worth checking out it seems to be a bit pricey for getting the full set so you can have to flip and keep an eye out for things to get it or yes. not one that's seen at any marks at any times recently so yes. what is our instalment for this episode for Ralph Reed's Star Trek well uh, we're going to do a comic and three books all in the space of five minutes wow that that seems like it's either going to be a very dense download of information to, yes. to the no, listeners very very dense or he hard to talk about in these these things no so last time we teased we would do uh, Star Trek Prometheus which we will do but in the next episode um, because I thought we'd go back in time a little bit and you we would remember when Star Trek had its 50th anniversary do you remember that when was that that was 2016, John. Which, technically speaking, was Star Trek's 52nd anniversary because The Cage was made in 1964. But if we go by it, when the episode first aired on American television, it was September 1966. Okay, so. so one of the unfortunate things about Star Trek's 50th anniversary is partly due to, well, Star Trek not being as kind of a big pop culture phenomenon as it has been in the past, and also to do with the fact that bits of it are owned by CBS and bits are owned by Paramount as there really wasn't an effort to kind of push a big 50th anniversary celebration. If you're a James Bond fan, you may recall that a big movie for that year. It was a very good movie. Uh, yeah, and it was all kind of like, let's tie up the path of James Bond and move him on in a big spectacular film, which was the most successful Bond film ever in the US, partly. Um, uh, we had Doctor Who, uh, where he had a big special episode on television. Which nearly killed us. Indeed, because we had a drinking game for it, which was a bad idea. Because Ralph put all of the ridiculous things that could potentially happen yep. there was drink forfeits for this and one of which was you had to take extra shots if Tom Bacon appeared as a doctor and I yes. thought that'll never happen <laughs> yeah. yes anyway so, but I caught, along with that you had books and audios and you even had a little internet episode featuring Paul McGann coming back and generating into John Hurt available now in BBC iPlayers called United the Doctors the best 8 minutes you'll watch and it's still on the BBC Doctor Who YouTube channel as well yes so that was good but Star Trek eh, really wasn't much of it there was a film but it wasn't a 50th anniversary film they just were desperate to get it out in the 50th year yes Um, so but there was however an exciting novel trilogy called Star Trek Legacies which celebrated the 50th anniversary did this try and weave a a multi-layered narrative between the various different time areas of Star Trek 
as they all face some common threat or enemy? Yes and no, but not in the way you would think. Let's talk about the transfer key. Okay, so uh, there's three books. First one was by Greg Cox, second one was by David Mack, and the third one was David Ward and Kevin Gilmore. Uh, so all regular writers to the range. Okay. Uh, Greg Cox being in the first one, he's he's like your uh, he's like your fast food burger of Star Trek novels, and it's never particularly spectacular, but it's solid and does the job, and harkens back to the past quite a lot. He's the one who gave us the exciting sequel to the Conscious of the King, which you may recall was the Star Trek episode with the Shakespeare stuff. Yep. where uh, Kodos Executioner was uh, part of a, a travelling trope of actors and yep. turned out our daughter was daft of course Greg Cox gave us an exciting sequel called Phil Deeds Will Rise Do you see what he did there there you go uh, just 20 years later and Captain Kirk's like oh I still quite fancy her but she might be going evil and killing people again Ooh, what's going on there I also gave the world uh, the fabulous uh, exciting novel where um, Seven of Nine went back in time to help Captain Kirk Okay. Yes. So anyway, so anyway, so the, the big plot was to do with the transfer key. Now, as we all know in the original series, every captain of the Enterprise secretly had a special cabinet in their in their quarters in which the transfer key was held. Held, and the dog has now stood on my toe, and it's quite painful. Ah! Like you, like you, Susie. That's my bad toe. Anyway. When canines aren't trying to kill me, what happened was that the idea behind it was that the original Starship Enterprise actually had multiple captains. So there was Captain Robert April, who is canon. Yes, he is, because he's in the animated series. And also his name is in a monitor in an episode of Discovery. So there. Uh, there was Captain Christopher Pike and then James T. Kirk. So what they did is um, they thought, let's, let's show how this mysterious object has done it by completely ignoring Captain Pike, who doesn't do anything, and just focus on Captain April and Captain Kirk. Now, Cap- Captain April wears a lot of chunky knitwear. It's pointed out quite a lot. He has chunky knitwear on the bridge, and his wife is the chief medical officer. And they have this mysterious encounter with alien-type people on a planet where they find the transfer key, which is a key that enables you to access another dimension. And during this mission, uh, some of the Enterprise crew are lost in this other dimension. They're lost, you see. So many years later, uh, when Captain Kirk is the captain, uh, number one, uh, he's got a whole Una. Una, yes, well remembered. <laughs> Una, well done, that's pretty good. What happens when you have to edit the podcast? <laughs> anyway, so Una comes back, right? She comes aboard the Enterprise and then she takes control of the Enterprise and fires it back towards the planet because even though it's been like 12 years or whatever, uh, she's convinced that they can still uh, rescue these people from another dimension. So back in the day, Robert April took the, the special key thing and he hid it in his quarters and he passed it down to Captain Pike who hid it in his quarters and then he passed it down, as I can tell you excited, passed it down to Captain Kirk and basically it was like the most dangerous thing in the universe, right? So dangerous. Hid it on a ship that's regularly in, involved in combat on the frontiers of known Federation territory. They address that because they say it's so dangerous that only the captain and the first officer can they can ever know and if they ever told anyone in Starfleet then people in Starfleet would gain knowledge of this other dimension and they would try and try and go there and do stuff but doesn't Control know about that already? Control uh, the secret computer behind Section 31 strangely doesn't mention this in his exciting or its exciting storyline so anyway yeah, surely so that would know everything anyway as anyway well anyway so there's exciting plot lines that go on and there's, there's the one back in the day that runs past the Captain April and the Captain Kirk one and uh, through Una eventually gets to go to another dimension where time moves slower time moves slower you see right? It's, right? And it's like whoa weird and whiskey and she meets the mysterious um, race behind us now 
Remember, this is a celebration of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. It even says so on the covers and stuff. It's a big celebration. So, which mysterious alien race, thank you, Susan, the dog, uh, for that sound effect, which mysterious alien race do you think they, they bring back? You think of all of Star Trek. Who could it be? Tribbles. No. Think sensibly. Well, it's never going to be the conspiracy aliens from TNG. There will never be the conspiracy aliens. They are the Valleyard of Star Trek. Yes. Uh, so the Remans? It's not the Remans, no. I have no... Well, I'll tell you. It turns out that the ultimate enemy in the 50th anniversary story of Star Trek are giant alien slugs who ride about through the air on actually they're actually called battle sleds and they ride around on the battle sleds they've got like two little layers at the front and they shoot you with them and they want to come to our dimension because their dimension is kind of like slowly dying off and they come to ours and they have to kind of genetically change themselves otherwise the slugs will go all but like when you put salt in the real one they'll go like that when they come through so uh, basically the Captain Curtis used the knowledge of the past to go to the planet to close the doorway and rescue all the Enterprise crew members for the giant slugs who ride about and, and, and the battle sled stop them. Wow. <laughs> Were you really upset when this came out? Well, I mean, let's talk about the second in the series, which was David Mack's one. And I had a, a great subplot which took up most of the book, which is the Romulans. And the, um, the proper Romulans, the old series ones that all sit in like a really small bird and go yes commander back to it device yes with the big helmets on and they they chase the Enterprise and there's a whole plot line with Dr. McCoy's daughter of course uh, who Joanna um, who's part of this colony and, and it's a subplot for a threat to it and blah 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 and Romulans and that, that bit's fantastic it's great and then you get back to the space slugs in time for book three they're the feed um well, I can imagine that, that otherwise there would not be a 51st anniversary of Star Trek. Exactly. But. Yes. Who. Please tell me that Star the, the fandom such as it is for Star Trek books yes. properly had a fallen down moment at this offering well, when it uh, came out. Uh, uh, it was a th- it took place over three months because you got a book a month. That's right. Uh, well, that's and the first one was tying in with the US broadcast. Um, it's, it's not many people seem to notice the books strangely they seem to kind of go under the radar but from from the book loving side of Star Trek fandom well I suppose I mean, you, you must have been frothing at the mouth when you read well, that went, going that that's basically well, I mean, here's, your, here's your 50th anniversary and well, this is the best well, that we can well, come well, up with well there were some positive points I mean it was good to see Robert April getting used in the crew and you don't see that very often in the right. novels usually lots of Captain Pig adventures so I thought it was wise they skipped him and just went yeah he had the keys well when nothing happened and it was something different with like let's take the fact that the original Enterprise had a long history and sort of play about with that long history and give them slugs to fight on battle sleds mm-hmm. one of them was like an evil scientist did, uh, he, did, did he have a white coat they had kind of gear on yeah was it was it white I, I'm not sure I don't quite recall the colour we can't really say whether but, then, scientist but or not. then there was a whole power struggle with the giant leader of the slugs and the chief scientist of the slugs and this went on for a bit and the word he or she they referred to as her H-I-R her because slugs you know they're not they're not binary like that um uh, yeah and you know time moving slowly and stuff and you know getting a shot I mean you know, but no, not without merit Perhaps, 
perhaps <coughs> one criticism I might have is I might have maybe had the ultimate alien threat be somebody we'd seen before. But either in the novels or or on, on television or film. Such as the excuse me, the conspiracy aliens from Star Trek Next Generation. Well, no, they couldn't do that because this is a hundred years before. So you can't, you can't do that. You're talking nonsense. That wouldn't solve. Problems. Yeah, because that that's that's more ridiculous than slugs on battle slides. So anyway, so that was Star Trek Legacies. Uh, not enough people know it exists, so thought I'd do it. Anyway, so our second exciting item, which is we're breaking before this, is Ralph and Andy read Star Trek. It's true. For I've uh, read that earlier today. So I'm going to hand this object to. What is it? It is the uh, comic tie into Star Trek Discovery. It is the Light of Kalis. Now this is the very first uh, comic to be based on Discovery to to launch. It is written by Kirsten Bear, who I believe is involved in writing the show. Uh, Kirsten Bear is uh, best known as one of the Star Trek novel writers. Uh, she runs basically the ongoing storyline for the Voyager uh, Strand, which I quite enjoy. She's a staff writer on the show. Also done a script for one of the episodes. Uh, I usually quite rate her, quite highly as a writer. I think she's quite good at doing licensed stuff. So it's co-written with Mike Johnson, who Who's has done other Star Trek comics. And also Transformers, Coins yes. Prime, uh, Revenge of the Dying the Bots and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Uh, art by Tony Chastine, uh, colours by JD Mettler, letters by And World Design, production by Neil Uyatake, edits by Seragados, and assisted by Chase Marotz, and published by Ted Adams, by our friends at IDW. So it's a tie into Discovery, and it's, you know, Takuma, who we loved in the, the first, first episodes, episodes yeah. and then basically died. Yes. They got rid of them all. His backstory. Yes. Uh, so you've got someone involved who's there talking about. To whom I'm basically saying his success is like they don't respect you yet, but you need to build up your legend first of all, and someone's going to tell him the tale of Takuma. So then we go into flashbacks, which you've already seen on television. Yes, which is uh, a bit of a shame. <laughs> biggest problem is always the thing is, and I always generally have a thing about flashbacks and prequels. Are just generally I don't if you're being introduced a character you like. Yes. Telling telling me how they became the character I like is generally not going to be that interesting because they're going to not be the character I like at the start, yes. and I'm going to have to wade through yeah. X amount to get there. It's, and the journey isn't always all that interesting. It's a bit of a head scratcher because, like I said, in the first two episodes, we already had flashbacks that kind of told you how the ship of the dead, which is the ship the Klingons have at the start of the show, how that was kind of found and the childhood of the character and why he sort of got that way. All it really adds to it is that um, there uh, that we see some more dialogue, basically. Um, it's very quick reads and has an exciting cliffhanger where he decides to go to the monastery moon of Borath, which was in that next generation episode where yeah. Worf found Kalos the clone. And the cliffhanger is he gets there and it's raining and he looks up. Yes, it's just the thing is it's like it's expanding on the bits in, in the first episode and there is little bits that you don't see so you get yeah. a bit more specific yeah, about his family background yeah, his dad and, and stuff, the yeah. house and how how bad it how much it fallen but I'm not interested it's one of the things that I, the, the character was great Takuma was the most entertaining thing in the first two episodes yeah. of Star Trek Discovery apart from Ensign Robot Face doesn't exist now. Ensign Robot Face Ensign Robot Face explained to this before la, uh, la, 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 la. was in Ensign Robot Face. one of the novels and was revealed to be a navigator with a VR helmet Ensign Robot Face anyway so it's a, it's a strange misstep because for the first comic I mean you really want to try and hook people that maybe like Star Trek maybe like Star Trek comics like comics like the show and go ah it's the first comic I'll give that a go and you really needed to have more to it than just an expansion of what you've already seen. I thought it was a good idea to kind of look at the Klingons because 
at the time we're recording this, they've shown the first uh, nine episodes of Discovery and the next six of the first season are still going to be shown. And one of the things we just sort of talked a lot about publicity and so on is that you'll, you'll see this war between the Federation and the Climbers. And you'll see like both sides of it and kind of complex. And really, to be honest, so far the Climbers are just, ah, eat people, like, evil, like, we scheme yeah. against each other. That bit's not quite been done as well as we would have liked. I mean, I would say at the moment Star Trek Discovery is an enjoyable show, but I would compare it a lot to the first season of The Next Generation. And then what they both have in common with the start with is you've got a really good cast, uh, they're very watchable, you like them, sets are really good, stories are fine, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's kind of trying a little bit too hard to be adult sometimes and just not quite sure where its tone is yet and not quite worked out what it wants to be. Well, that's, again, the comparison, again, yeah. with that is also you've had an established brand that's been off TV for a, a period of time, so years. they they need to know what does that as I mentioned before we talked Discovery what is Star Trek on TV in the 21st century now yeah. you need to know that so you'll yeah. allow them their missteps oh, yeah. uh, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's still good enough. I mean, I'm getting more out of it that I like than a than dislike so you know doing what needs to do then uh, but yeah uh, but this is curious if we go again back to the point you evaded the last time we talked about Discovery time in the previous episodes it does seem to be again they're, they're misstepping with their tie in fiction I think with your first discovery, I mean, your first discovery comic should be to do with the actual show. It should have the Starfleet. It should be on the actual starship. You can do your Klingon flashback, maybe second or third issue, or do it as your second series. But I think your first series needed to have the main characters in it, even if, it, although I thought the novel was okay, at least it still had the main character of the show, Michael Burnham. Yeah. And yes, set before the show, but still the main character. Yeah, but again, they seem to not be judging what you would be assuming, which is okay. Here's we're building this brand new world. Here's this stuff that's set before this stuff we're telling you. Is I know that that stuff comes later. Mm-hmm. That's when you flesh out your expanded universe. But you need to kind of build that universe first. Now, I get it's difficult because you can't really tread on the toes of the main story that the mm-hmm. the TV series done. But I'm sure even within that. There's enough gaps between yeah, I mean, to do stuff. Because in, in the show, it's mentioned quite often that you know a month has passed, or we're now seven months into the war, yeah. or whatever like that. And maybe one interesting one would have been you could have taken one of the characters, like an engineer or whatever, and he's off on a side mission. Yeah. Between episodes, like oh, he's off in some other Starfleet ship, or just front of the war. Or basically just do something like the Lord Dex episode of TNG, and just pick someone that's not actually going to be named in the show. But have them flitting about yeah, yeah. something that's there, seeing so kind of going up. Here's so, what we're doing. There's a bit of a shame. I said I quite like one of the writers. Um, I don't think it's their best work. Um, I can see why they did what they did, but uh, I don't think I'll be back for issue two because comics are expensive. This is true. In this so I'll stick with the novels because they're better. And wow, that's a that's a bombshell and a half. Yeah. Uh, considering the the last three novels you talked about, I would charitably say. No, would not be better than that comic. But a thousand pages came up, came to. Quality, <laughs> not quantity. Uh, with with that, I think that's that's enough think, for this I think, episode. I think, I think we're done. Yeah. Uh, so, comments or feedback, the usual sort of stuff. Uh, there's the Facebook page for the podcast. Uh, Start a pod on Twitter. Okay. I think what we're gonna uh, any we need to give them a wee teaser. We'll probably well, well, we'll, we will be doing Star Trek Prometheus book one. Yes, uh, we will also be uh, talking about. Uh, American Ninja 3, Blood Hunt. Yep. And also something else I've still to make you watch on YouTube. Oh dear lord. Which I found on YouTube and it's there. 
this does not sound promising. Thank you very much, Mr. Marshall, for the game of wrestling. I don't think it caused the pain that you thought it would. No, but that's you know the way it goes. No, these things happen. However, I, I do think the the amount of force uh, Satchel caused uh, precisely the amount of pain you were hoping for. Brief thank you to uh, Phil as well, who we opened the package before recording. Just uh, mm-hmm. who kindly sent. Uh, some Transformers uh, Prime Masters which are good to, to Ralph so he now has those I do so all the best for uh, Christmas hope you enjoy yourselves and we will be back uh, for us in a couple of minutes for the next episode uh, for all of you we'll see you in 2018 goodbye farewell